Tibbs and Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Butterbuster Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Marcus spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game winner got it. Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got him if he catches it, it's over, ball game. Touchdown to one, Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no doubt. It's Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. And welcome to a Martin Luther King Jr. Day edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. Thanks for joining us, folks. I am Mike Gallagher, Jay Sandos, on the phone today, going to talk men's basketball with Kevin Brown in Segment 2, ETSU Men's Basketball SID. Segment 3 will recap an incredible evening at Brooks Gym, the ETSU women's basketball team defeating Wofford in comeback fashion, 92-79. to They put up some major points against the top-scoring team, in the SOCON, then in segment number four, final segment of the day, we will go over bold predictions. And for me, a great day to be alive for Jay Sandoz, and we'll get his reaction come segment four. Uh, boy, another difficult weekend, not only in the fact that his predictions went awry, but one of my predictions uh, hurt one of his teams. Jay, welcome to the show. You are remote today, but uh, good to have you along. And would you like to react instantly to the bold predictions, or are you going to save the grief and misery for the final segment? Well, I mean, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah, you, you took an easy game. I would argue it's not even a bold prediction. We know the fraudulent. Said that for day one. I think it should be discounted as usual that you uh, pick games that really aren't bold and just go at it at the, at the expense of my team. So I appreciate that. But, uh, no, we can we can worry about that later. I guess the only good thing is, is for local fans here, that's uh, probably going to mean their, their team's going to jump up and be the – number one team in the country. So that's uh, that's good news for a lot of fans that are certainly tuning into this podcast. I am uh, not surprised that is your take on bold predictions, but we can argue more about it later. I don't think there's any argument from Saturday's game for the ETSU men's basketball team, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know that on this show we tend to deal with some sort of propaganda at some point because we are so heavy into ETSU men's basketball. Both you and me both work for the program, but also fans of it as well. But I don't think there was much question who the better team was on Saturday at Freedom Hall, uh, UNCG. Now, you can debate, and we will with Kevin Brown here in just a bit, about the performance from Allegri. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. You want to stop Francis Alonzo. You want to stop James Dickey, Kyron Galloway, Isaiah Miller. You get that. But I don't think you expect a guy that scores 51 points the entire year to come in and shoot five threes, end with 15 points in 16 minutes, and really in the second half come up with a couple of big shots that quelled the momentum that ETSU had built with Trey Boyd the third, who did what he does off the bench, uh, getting 17 points in 19 minutes and kind of dragging the Bucks back into a contest when it looked like it may be over. But UNCG statistically won pretty much every facet of the game and in the final score as well, Jeff. Yeah, and I thought uh, 
you know, the way the game went, ETSU was able to get to the free throw line. They obviously didn't take advantage of that, just going nine for 18. And you shoot 50%, you're not going to win many basketball games at any level. But what it ended up doing is they got, you know, uh, some of the key post players in foul trouble for UNCG. And so they actually had to go deep into the rotation. He's number uh, Allegri, uh, was number 11 in, in minutes played. And so he's on my list, but he's way down there. So I have, you know, one or two little side notes about him, but not the extensive research as maybe the top eight, nine guys as I normally do. So it actually took me a minute to find the pronunciation for it. That's how much he didn't play and how much I, I really wasn't ready for him to come in. But he was on the scouting report. You know, I, I get to watch shoot around uh, in the mornings or early afternoons, depending on what day and time the games are. And, you know, they had mentioned him and said, look, you know, he's he's a four that can shoot the three. We can't leave him open. And that was on the scouting report. Unfortunately, I think guys were focused in on other players and saw a, a guy that seldomly gets in the game, you know, and, and they just kept backing off of him. And to his credit, you know, he knocked down the first couple and then the confidence was just there, you could tell, because there was a couple times he just shot it and ran down the other end of the floor uh, before it went in. So he, he was feeling – and he did a perfect job, Allegri, of just being uh, the next man up, you know. And, and I thought ETSU did a, a great game plan early. I thought Lucas Casson probably played his best six, seven minutes of basketball at ETSU to start the game. And really was in a nice little just going to the rim and getting fouled and, and got foul trouble on, on three post players uh, for UNCG. But Allegri came in and, and made them pay. And ETSU, you know, would, would make a run, not just with Trevor in the second half, but a couple other times would just start to climb into it, and I think that shows UNCG's pedigree, the fact that they were able to always kind of push it back out. ETSU would make a run and chip into it. UNCG would, would just kind of make enough plays, hit enough shots, and just keep ETSU at bay. And, you know, it was a tee to, uh, to green victory for UNCG. I know Coach Fords, and we won't hear in the sound bites we're about to listen to from the head coach of ETSU women's basketball, or men's basketball, pardon me, he mentioned that he – didn't remember another team doing what UNCG did to the Bucks. aside from, I think, UNC Wilmington is who he said in his time here, which is now going on four seasons. Here were Coach Forbes' thoughts postgame. We can't beat a high-quality team like Greensboro is and go 9 for 18 from the free throw line. That's just, it's not acceptable, and um, that's a big number. And then 11 threes uh, is a huge number, and we haven't, I don't know if we've given up that many this year, maybe once, I don't remember, but uh, we did a really poor job of defending the perimeter, and it wasn't the guards, it was their bigs. It was, you know, they, had, they went small at the four, and we were supposed to switch, and we were couldn't communicate that for some reason, and those guys got wide open looks at it, and they're going to make them. They got a couple when we went late in, in the zone, and, you know, I we tried to roll the dice there a little bit, got a couple stops in the zone, and, and then they figured it out and, and got a couple wide open looks. Uh, but uh, the free throws, the uh, – that made threes for them, and then you know, 17 turnovers, um, and against in a, in a game like this, it's just it's going to be hard to win. And UNCG got 20 points off those turnovers. ETSU did force 14 turnovers of their own, but only 11 points off the turnovers. And that uh, soundbite that I kind of uh, prefaced or previewed that we won't hear about the UNC Wilmington team that came into Freedom Hall and did this to the Bucks as well. That was a home statistic that Coach Forbes was giving because UNCG in Freedom Hall, uh, you're not used to seeing that in front of 5,700 in blue and gold if you're ETSU. Last year, 
the Spartans end the Bucks' 16-game winning streak. They beat ETSU in the Southern Conference Championship game and just demoralizing to once again see the Spartans put down the Bucks again in front of a very good crowd, it seemed, Jay. seemed like a very solid atmosphere. Yeah, and we, we've, we've kind of choked about that over time. It just seems like ETSU, when given a moment uh, in Freedom Hall in front of a packed house, they, they really, and that was, you know, going even back to the Murray Barcher days, ETSU had been able to really capitalize on it and kind of felt like that, too. I was talking to former uh, sports information director Mike White about that because we, we always said, you know, we get everybody here, it's a good buildup, and we just ah, can't quite get over the hump. So, like the last couple games last year, now this UNCG game here, now there's still some opportunities because the fans showed up for Furman and got that one. Depending on how things work out, Wofford still got to come uh, to Johnson City. But but I agree with Coach Corb. Some, sometimes, you know, we, we try to be honest, and, and I think you learned it well in the, the pregame. We clearly have a paycheck coming from ETSU. But, you know, as I've stated before, I grew up as a, as a fan of the young kid who's come to the Dome, and, you know, I've seen a lot of ETSU basketball games, and, Sometimes I think schematically they get beat. Sometimes I feel like the, the coaches have their, their finger on the pulse and players don't execute, and I kind of agree with the assessment. Watching shoot-around, again, I get access to, to things that people don't. You know, things that they were working on and shoot-around, they didn't didn't execute on the defensive end. On the offensive end, I thought they did a better job of handling the press. That really wasn't where a lot of the turnovers came. Uh, a lot of the turnovers really came with guys driving and then just kind of throwing it wildly to the middle of the paint just kind of a, a, expecting somebody to be there or thought somebody was standing there, maybe a player cut to the hoop, and then they weren't there. So they threw a lot of balls to the middle, and nobody was there and just ended up being a, a, a turnover. You know, a couple times that the bigs tried to dribble and UNCG was able to get some guards down there and knock away, and that happens. You know, when you get a team like UNCG that definitely crashes and double teams, and their double teams come from a different spot than most double teams. They come from the backside baseline, and that's a little – Different coach talked about that in the pregame that he was concerned because that's not normally where double teams come from. That could affect the post. But I felt like the game plan was there. And you'd like to see, and of course you'll never know, but if a couple of those free throws go down early, I would like to see how the rest of the game would have played out. Now, just you can't ever do it that way because everything changes, right? You just never know you know, how the other 30 minutes of the game would have went if the first 10 minutes the Bucks are hitting free throws. But still, I think ETSU, you know, had a, a good coached-up game plan on what they wanted to do. It wasn't about execution. And there are other games where, you know, I think coaches even being the first to tell you is honest that, hey, we just we got out coached today. We were expecting some things and, and, and didn't and weren't prepared for, for things and wrinkles they threw at us. But I, I kind of feel like UNCG – didn't have to reinvent the wheel because they won, you know, now 17 games this year. They've been in back-to-back championship games, been in NCAA tournament. They return a lot of guys. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. They have so many battle-tested players, uh, like Francis Alonzo, Demetrius Troy, James Dickey. All those guys have played in two championship games. They've been in NCAA tournament. They've been there in the big moment, so they're certainly not – afraid of it or intimidated by them. I'm not saying ETSU is, but they're they're not quite championship battle-tested yet. And Coach said that after the VMI game. Now, the good thing is that sometimes, you know, when you have a loss, uh, and it's similar to what we saw last year, I think, with the 16-game win streak, the Bucks, you know, took a couple on the chin before they could really regroup to win a couple in the Southern Conference tournament to get to the title game. 
now the, the loss happened earlier. The Bucks can go back to work. They don't play again until Saturday against Western Carolina. Will they be able to now, you know, go back to listen? I think Coach said it without saying it. I don't know if you have that bite or not. or um, And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I kind of felt like he said, that, you know, you can take a loss and do a lot with it. But with this loss, maybe they go back to work and players or, or start to uh, start to listen a little more and pay attention to the details. Here is more from Coach. We did some same of those things that we've tried to teach our guys not to do against them is, is go in there on the drive and, and fly at the basket and fly past the basket. you got to come to a jump stop, shot fake, and when you do that, you get a better look. And several times again today, and Bo included, drove it in there and just flipped it up there, and those ain't going in against them. And, you know, um, we came out in the second half and ran a set to get Jerome one right at the basket, and he just didn't finish. And so – I thought Mladen had a hard time finishing today when he had chances to score at the basket. So uh, we've just, you know, these are things that have to improve, and you know, and that's what I've been telling them. And I think that's to your point about the game plan being right, Jay. And Coach Forbes kind of alluded to it there a bit in the beginning of the sound, but it sounded to me like he was a bit frustrated in the fact that when you have a good game plan, when you know what to expect, when you've told the guys a number of times that. And I remember it from last year when uh, ETSU lost at UNCG. It was you got to go inside and you can't just go up once because they got bigs in there. They're going to swat you. You got to change up your rhythm. You got to up fake. You got to do a number of things if you're inside. And what coach is talking about there, it sounds like he is uh, rather miffed about because it sounds like he's had the conversations and things that need to improve is the terminology that he used. Last soundbite that we have from him. We missed a lot of open threes. You know, Davian and Pat. Didn't shoot the ball well today, and you know they were combined. Uh, what were they? One for ten. Ten from three. And those guys are really good shooters, you know. And uh, I thought they had some good looks, and um, you know we got we actually attacked their their pressure. We got some wide open shots out of it. You know we got threes in the corners, like I was telling you, I wanted to get, and we got drilling underneath the basket. But then a couple times we just get sloppy with the ball, and they tip it in a turnover. You know, and that happened, I think, three times in the game where we just were lazy with the ball up front and, and tipped it and they got turned There's a ton of things you can point to, Jay, but really what Coach Forbes is talking about, the first soundbite, or this first soundbite that we just played, yeah, he says that oh, we missed some shots, you know. Good shooters, Patrick Good, Davian Williamson, you know, they usually make a lot of the shots that they miss. Combined one for ten, Patrick Good we know is a sharpshooter. Davian Williamson, someone that's gotten ETSU off to a number of great starts, especially over the last couple of weeks, and their shots weren't falling. And you know what? UNCG shots were falling with uh, Allegri hitting five threes and them going 11 of 22 from deep 50%, making their free throws 8 of 9 versus 9 of 18 for ETSU. I, I hate to say this and simplify it so much because it's such a multifaceted game and so many angles you can look at something from and tons of moments that you can point to and say, well, this was the difference. But it seemed like if you're going to boil it down to one thing, UNCG made shots that a lot of times for them, and Allegri in particular, don't go in. And ETSU, a lot of the shots that have gone in didn't on Saturday. Yeah, I think the difference is Allegri and a few UNCG players hit an open look and the Bucks didn't. Yeah. And, and you're right, we're probably over – Simplifying, but sometimes the the game is about shots going in the bottom of the basket, <laughs> and that's you know that's how games are determined. Who has more points? Who hits those shots? And ETSU and on their home floor didn't get some clean looks to go. And for 
you know, UNCG, they, they did get clean looks to go down. And, and uh, you know, credit to them. You know, you have to make shots to win games, especially on the road. I thought them, here's the other thing, leading from the start to the finish helps control the crowd. I thought the play of the game was, you know, UNCG used three timeouts in the first half. That means they have one timeout the rest of the game. Bucks got uh, three straight threes from Trey Boyd. It goes from 16 to 7. Bucks get a turnover. They dribble it right to midcourt. UNCG has one foul. There's 14-10 to go on the clock. Next dead ball is a media. And Coach Miller yelled out to Demetrius Troy to eat it, which means take a foul. And he goes over there and just fouls out at midcourt. Well, what that did was allow to stop the momentum, right, because now they get the media timeout. That's a timeout to calm his team down. ETSU comes out and, and doesn't score on that. Now, they're able still to battle and get it to three, uh, still in that two, three-minute stretch, but the Bucks went two, two and a half minutes without scoring. UNCG went like four minutes uh, from that stretch not scoring. But I thought that was a, you know, a heady play from Coach Miller to realize the situation. He didn't want to use last timeout. There was a media do go ahead and even stop and stop the momentum. And I thought that was a huge play and turning point in the game because ETSU, again, went two minutes after that that media timeout without getting a, a field goal to go down. Again, it got us to three, but, again, if you could have kept that momentum, you know, maybe you get us to Trey Boy again. He's able to knock down a shot, would have should have could, but I kind of felt like that, you know, that was a, a huge key part of the game that maybe a lot of people didn't understand. They're just like, oh, goodness. Troy committed a foul midcourt. What a dumb foul, right? Because it looked very awkward. But then I happened to look over, and Coach Miller and them are, are applauding. Kevin Brown, who is uh, you're going to talk to next segment, came down to me and Bruce Trambard, who's doing ESPN3, and said, hey, the bench called that. And then when I call it, it makes total sense now because they got the media timeout. So that was a huge play in the game as well. Sometimes a game within a game. But I thought Coach Miller did a good job of game, game management there. You'll step aside. When we're back, Kevin Brown going to join me in studio. ETSU men's basketball. We're going to dive a bit deeper into that 75-68 defeat to UNCG on Saturday. After that, ETSU women's basketball and their win over Wofford, as well as a bit of a preview of the Sanford-Mercer road trip coming up this week. And then the final segment, you'll rejoin me so I can make fun of you for your terrible predictions, and we can have a more lighthearted end to the show on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Sound good? Yeah, Phil, I guess. Jay Sandoz back with me in segment four. Up next, Kevin Brown on Van Wagner's Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own one. Citizens Bank number FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? 
Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Peaceful mornings always turn into crazy days. With all the madness, when's a mom supposed to find time for grocery shopping? Fortunately, Food City offers curbside pickup. With the same great in-store prices, I can pick out what I want online. And Food City does the shopping for me. Here you go, ma'am. Have a nice day. <sighs> that moment you realize you are the chaos coordinator. Go Mother like no other. With go-kart curbside pickup. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. That's an interesting one. Take there, Gallagher. <laughs> I do like Nugget. Uh, that you Coach like Forbes. Nugget? Yeah, I do like the Nugget because, you know, that's what I do. I try to dig up some good information, some good stats, some good Nuggets to help promote the program, to help promote the team. And I think that, that one sticks. And then I think another one was sweet and sour, and that one just didn't uh, <laughs> really jive with me. But the Nugget one I, I can go with, and I enjoy it. Well, let me see if I can find the stats that you had at halftime. I believe that – the one that stood out to me of the ETSU men's basketball loss to UNCG at halftime was the Bucks scored on just one jump shot in the first half. Everything was either points in the paint or free throws. And at the end of the day, free throws didn't look like such a positive category for the Bucks. UNCG goes 8 of 9, 88%. The Bucks missed half of theirs, 9 of 18. And you got to have the free ones, especially in a game like that. Yeah, if you, if you want to be a good team and you want to beat a good team, you're playing at home, you have to convert at the free throw line. The Bucks, as we saw yesterday, did not do that. They just didn't get it done. And they went 9 of 18 at the line, 7 of 14 in the first half, 50%. And Greensboro ranks near the top at the free throw line. They went 8 for 9. And you're right. In the first half, Bo Hodges made a three-pointer from the corner. We went 1 of 9 from 3. 
The rest of our points made either came in the paint via layup or at the free throw, free throw line. And with all the hype build up to it, we didn't hit, our, hit a jumper until the first three and a half minutes of the game. And what does Greensboro do? They get a three-pointer from Francis Alonzo on their first possession. And that kind of set the tone early. We go to the free throw line early with Lucas Gasson, but he, he's usually a pretty good free throw shooter for a big guy, and he couldn't get the job done early. So it just the tone was set early. We fell behind. We got to within a point, 8-7 early. We just couldn't get over the hump. Greensboro then makes a run. They go up uh, double digits. We had a layup right there in the closing seconds of the first half to go down eight. But it just – we never felt to have momentum early and just couldn't get the crowd going. And then finally – when we got the crowd going in the second half, courtesy of Trey Boyd, three point or three uh, straight possessions with three pointers after Greensboro goes up 16, we cut it to nine. Mike, then we had three straight possessions to get closer. We missed shots, turned it over, then Miller just drives in for a big dunk to spark that run for Greensboro, and you just couldn't you just couldn't get over the hump. We finally got to within six twice and just couldn't get it going. I'll give a comparison to what Angelo Allegri did on Saturday to something very near and dear to my heart. I'm a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan, having grown up in Minnesota. They made the Western Conference Finals with Kevin Garnett, Sam Casella, Charles Sprewell back in the 2003-04 season. And you expect, you know, the guys that were on that Lakers team, uh, Kobe Bryant obviously comes to mind, and a few others that they had at that time that would kill you. I believe Shaq was off the team by that point, if I remember right. I think that was post-3-peat. Um, and I think that he was gone at that point. But regardless, there were way other big names that you thought would beat you other than Kareem Rush. But in game six of that best-of-seven series, the Wolves down 3-2 to two on their home floor. Kareem Rush, of all people, hit six triples, and the Timberwolves lose that series in six games courtesy of someone that uh, certainly a left-handed sharpshooter, someone that was – very good in college, someone that I think was familiar to a lot of people, but I think was averaging like three or four points per game over the entire year. And Angelo Allegri may even be, granted, not as big of a stage, but an even more extreme example of that. He hits five threes after he had hit just nine the entire year. He was averaging like a point and a half per contest, has 15, ice in the veins of Angelo Allegri. And what my take on it is, is if you get beat by Francis Alonzo, by James Dickey, by Kyron Galloway, by Isaiah Miller, by the horses, to me that's not as tough to deal with. But when it's a guy that literally has done nothing, barely played the entire year, certainly not produced, that comes in and takes you out in the fashion that Angelo Allegri did, I have a hard time watching that film and saying, I'm all right with how this went down. No, you're right. When you, if you say we held Francis Alonzo and Isaiah Miller to 7 of 23, to start the game at the beginning of the game, and you say, okay, we take that, and the Bucks win running away. But then when you see what yeah, Allegri did come off the bench hitting five threes, and as a team, Mike, Greensboro came in averaging just under eight threes a game. They had six in the first half. Then they finished with 11. They're plus four in that category for the game, which is 12 points, and then they get the job done at the free throw line. They, they just – it's frustrating, but what it, what it is, it brings you back to the 2016-17 season with R.J. White coming in here. He hit five threes. He's a big man for, for Greensboro. We weren't expecting that. They pull out a four-point win. So it's eerily similar to that game. And the thing is, we are talking about earlier, if you take away, you put up his uh, average numbers, the Bucks win the ball game yesterday. So it's a loss. It's your first loss at home. It's your first loss since December 15th. It is frustrating. Like you said, we, now we do have a week to regroup to get ready for uh, three straight uh, games on the road beginning Saturday at Western Carolina. But... It's not all doom and gloom because you know that 
you'll take it again that Allegri's not going to go five for six from the three-point line the next time you play him. And if you clamp down on defense again like, like you did against Alonzo and Miller, you have to like your chances next month going into Greensboro. Speaking of eerily similar, we were talking about this off-air, and it just seems like three or four weeks earlier than last year, and Steve Forbes hasn't minced words about it. He said each of the last two games against VMI, after the first ten minutes, he thought VMI whipped the Bucks, and yesterday he said essentially the exact same thing about what UNCG did, and you look at the stats, and you can't really disagree. But last year, ETSU goes into UNCG with a 16-game winning streak. They lose. That streak's over. Of course, going into yesterday, it was an eight-game winning streak. Granted, a different site here at home, but the Bucks lose again to UNCG. Uh, that eight-game win streak out the window, 15 of the last 17, no longer intact either. Uh, you look at how the Bucks kind of started to fade towards the tail end of last year where they were playing it close against teams that they – Looking at the records, looking at the history, looking at the recent history of the Bucks under Steve Forbes, they really should be dominating. But this two-game stretch kind of reminds me um, of the Citadel game last year where ETSU uh, on the road, 73-72, to 72, I believe it was, as a, a wide-open three mm-hmm. from the left wing for Citadel to win the game goes begging, and ETSU hangs on like they hung on against VMI. Of course, uh, we talk about the winning streak being gone. It just seems like things are very similar to last season, except a few weeks earlier. Now, we know what happened last year. ETSU ended up losing four of their last five, and since this was happening later in the year, the Bucks then rebounded in the conference tournament, won their first two, and then went on to uh, play UNCG in the conference title game, UNCG getting their revenge. This year, it kind of leaves the door open to, well, we don't know how this is going to right itself. Firstly, Obviously, the script may not be the same after this week off. The Bucks could turn it around, fire off three wins in a row on the road, and be in phenomenal shape, exactly where you want to be going into the last month of the year. But if things were to go the same way as they did last year, and you start to slide as you see things here in the middle of the year starting to kind of level off for the Bucks, uh, and, and certainly let's make sure to point out they're 16-5, and five and they still only have two losses in the conference. You're right, it's not all doom and gloom, but just looking at all the similarities between the losses, when this is coming, um, and the uh, opponents that ETSU has played, and not being able to put away these opponents uh, as they have against Sanford and VMI, and then losing to UNCG. I'm just trying to draw some parallels. It leaves you wondering, if things do go the next couple weeks, how they did last year, how do those last two or three weeks go then? Because they do have so much more time going into the conference season. So I might be overreaching here with looking at the similarities, but going off of how things have gone with the long streak of winning, uh, eight in a row and 15 of the last 17 versus the 16-game winning streak last year, and how the Bucks have been playing versus when their win streak did end going into the final part of last season, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of parallels. No, you're right, but the good thing is, Mike, is you, you mentioned it, is it's, there's still a long season left. We haven't even played every team in the SOCON. We will after next weekend when we go to Cola, we play Western Carolina. Then at that point, you get to the midway point, you kind of reflect. And, you know, yes, is it frustrating to go on the road and play three straight games? Sure, you're not at in front of your home crowd. But Coach Forbes mentioned this on the radio Friday, if I'm not mistaken. When you're on the road, you kind of get more time with your players because if they're not in the classroom, yes, that's what they're here for. They're student athletes. They're here to get a degree, further their education. But when you're on the road, you get more time with them pregame, watching more film, scouting. You're out, you're sleeping away from home, no distractions. So this ne- these next three games could be critical for the Bucks and Key. And being on the road may not be that bad. Yes, you're going to go into Colloway. They're much improved with the new coaching staff. And they played uh, Greensboro tight the other night, Thursday there. 
and then you're going to go to Stanford. We saw what they did to us. They rallied back and took us overtime. We, we beat them here. Then we go to Chattanooga. That's always a big rivalry game. So they are three big games, but it's some time now that I think Coach can get some more time with his team on the road, refocus a little bit. And one thing that Coach knows is good teams that uh, can win a lot of games. He saw it with Wichita State. He knows how to get them regrouped. And last year we got them regrouped in the tournament, just didn't get it done against Greensboro. But now we have more time to reflect on that win streak, get things done, get things refocused, get the train back on track, and, and get this point in the right direction. And there's a lot of time for that. There's no time to panic, a lot of basketball to be played. We have a lot of good players and a lot of good positives to take away. You just have to hit the reset button and start over again. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I'm not certainly trying to say that things are going to go into the slide that they did. It just seems like with everything that's matching up, how it has, uh, that I'm just being brought back. I'm waking up in cold sweats at night right now, Kevin Brown. Uh, speaking of rivalry games, are you ready? Because this has been a hot topic the last few days since that UNCG loss. Are you ready to call UNCG a rival of ETSU men's basketball? Yeah, I'd say it's a rival. I know you asked a lot of fans here. Chattanooga's a big rival. Certainly. Furman's a big rival. But when you play a team two straight times in, in the championship game, you split, and then you have a lot of close games and sell-out crowds and a lot of build-up to the game. They break both your winning streaks the last two years. Yeah, that, that, that is a rival. And the, the fans are talking about it, and there's a lot of build-up to the game, and the players see it. You can see it on the court. The, the levels are raised a little bit yesterday, and that's what you want to see. And so UNCG is there. They're, they're a rival, and, you know, would you be shocked to see these two teams playing in March for another championship? No, you won't. It. Wofford's playing well. Furman's playing well. There's a lot of great teams in this league. So there's a lot of good buildup, a lot of good hype. And we, we still have to play Wofford again. We still have to play Furman again. We got get to play UNCG again. So there's a lot of time, a lot of basketball to be played. And that's what's exciting. Down the stretch, the stretch run is going to be fun in the SoCon. And to see what happens. And to add to the streaks, you know, yesterday, look, Virginia had their win streak loss. Michigan goes into Madison. They lost. They won 17 in a row. So... It was just one of those days. One of those days that streaks are supposed to end, and it happens. You're going to lose throughout a season. Yes, you want to protect your home court, like Coach Ford says, and it, we, had, we won 10 in a row leading up to that. But sometimes things happen to fall into place, and you learn from it, and Coach will get his team back on track and make him learn from the setback. Eight games may not seem like a lot compared to last year. Eight games is a lot to win in a row in a college basketball season, especially when you've got the diversity of opponent that ETSU, going from non-conference to the conference here, has had a couple of positives out of Saturday because we're not trying to make it all negative. Trey Boyd, I think we saw what he is here for, right? I mean, that explosive potential to literally keep you in a game, bring you back into a game when it looked like things may be done for the Bucks. He goes for 17 and 19 minutes, 5 of 7 from outside, certainly had the hot hand. And then Dromi Rodriguez, very important to note that he did play. He looked very good. Another double-double, 16 and 14. That's an impressive afternoon knowing that coming into the day we were unsure of his status. Yeah, he didn't know what to, what to see from him. He didn't play much the second half against VMI, but had his 12th double-double of the season and 16 and 14. It seems like those are just typical numbers for him, and it's hard work for him to do that. He, he's getting double-teamed down low. He's battling bigs for rebounds, and he, he just pulls away with the, with the boards. And another thing, yeah, Bo Hodges may not have shot the ball well, but five assists, three blocks, and three steals, that, those are pretty impressive numbers defensively for Bo. And I think you're finally starting to see him get more comfortable out there. So – the future's bright and things are positive for the Bucks. So, yes, as discouraging as that game was, there's still some positives to take away from it. There's still a lot of time to be played. Stick with this team. The coaches know what they're doing. The players know what they're doing. 
we're going to get this thing turned around. We're going to win some more basketball games. As you said, Western's going to be a tough game, uh, but certainly I think UTSA will be favored going into that game. A chance to exercise some demons just a little bit in the fact that Sanford did come back from that 17-point deficit, took you to overtime. If you can go on the road and prove a point on Thursday, the second Thursday from now, I should say, I think that would go a long way to boosting the confidence. And then Chattanooga, you crushed them by 26. You crushed them last time you were there. So that three-game stretch, as you said, if you could come out of that, uh, I believe it would be, what, 7-2 and two at that point? If you could come out of it, um, pardon me, 9-2 uh, and two at that point, you would be 6-10. and ten. I, I have no idea what part of the conference season is, clearly. If you could come out of that 9-2, and two, Western, Stanford, Chattanooga, come back home for a big showdown with Wofford, that would be massive. And if you can win that game, you might be right back in the talk for a conference championship. Kevin Brown, thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Kevin Brown, ETSU, men's basketball SID, ETSU football SID, men's golf, tennis, track, cross country, pretty much everything that uh, that you can think of here at ETSU in the 17 varsity sports. He's done it. We appreciate his time on this Martin Luther King Day. We will be right back on Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and him. I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot day's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, and Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Thank you. 
Sando, Sand the Sidekick. I'm going solo this segment. I am Mike Gallagher, the play-by-play voice of the ETSU women's basketball team and a variety of other tasks around ETSU athletics and had the chance to be up close and personal for Wofford and ETSU in women's basketball on Saturday night. Yes, the ETSU men dropped the game during the day against UNCG. A lot of hype around that, but probably an equally as important game for the ETSU women's basketball team as all of these really are, especially when you're trying to get a team that was 2-14 and 14 in the non-conference on the right track, moving forward in the conference year, and knowing that the conference season is only 14 games on the women's side, that puts an extra level of importance on each time the ETSU women take the floor, and they seem to know it in that fourth quarter on Saturday night. It was a tight game, really, for a lot of the middle 20 or so minutes. Wofford scored the first 12 points against ETSU. It was 12 nothing, but the Bucks steadied the ship, played Wofford even in the second quarter. It was 38-31 to going to halftime. You come out in the second half, ETSU showed some signs of life. Head coach Brittany Azell said in the postgame, talking to local media, that there was a conversation in the halftime locker room. She said she thought it went well. Then after the third quarter with ETSU down by three, she thought that that conversation in the huddle went well also. And the Bucks came out and scored 39 points in that final frame to win by 13. 39 points. And I had a conversation with a number of the members of our sports information department here at ETSU. And the prevailing thought was that ETSU had never scored 39 points in a quarter. Now, I was talking on the pregame, postgame, middle of the game about the offense of the Bucks and certainly how it's coming around. But when they put up 39, I was quick to say, I don't think that the Bucks in the history of their program have scored that many in a quarter. But I made it sound like I think that it's been quarters forever on the women's side when, in fact, I was reminded after, well, it was halves, much like on the men's basketball side for, like, you know, the better part of 30, 40, 50 years, uh, whatever women's basketball started as an NCAA sport. Really, they kept it as halves. The 2015-16 season is when women's basketball went to quarters. So while we're not talking about as extensive of a time period as I may have thought in the moment, and clearly I was just overwhelmed by the offensive barrage. I was getting barraged myself with the offense, clearly making my brain all scramble to not remember that even though I've been covering women's basketball at the collegiate level for like 10 years, that it hasn't always been quarters. Uh, Regardless, with all of that offense, 39 points in the quarter we officially do know is the most in the three-plus seasons that women's basketball has been doing quarters for ETSU. That is the most points they've scored in that 10-minute span of quarters. Now, in terms of 10-minute spans in the history of ETSU women's basketball, unfortunately, that's not something I feel like we will ever know because in order to go back and find another time where the Bucks would have scored 39 points in a 10-minute span that wasn't a quarter, you would have to literally go to the play-by-play and add up for every game, going back to the beginning of ETSU basketball, how many points were scored in a 10-minute span. And there wouldn't be really markers on when it would start and when it would end, unlike quarters. So uh, that would be impossible. I think it would take weeks and weeks and weeks, even if you had multiple people to do that. So I'm not sure that we'll ever know specifically how impressive this fourth quarter truly was. What we're going to go with is, the highest scoring quarter in the history of ETSU women's basketball, which already says a lot. And when we talked to head coach Brittany Azell postgame, she said, I don't remember a 10-minute span, and I'm assuming that she meant quarters and just 10 minutes as a whole, 
uh, whether it be halves or quarters. Uh, but she also mentioned in practice where ETSU scored 39 points. So that's six years for Coach Zell, four years for quarters, um, and it should tell you just how impressive that display was, the fact that Coach Zell couldn't even remember a time in practice where the Bucks would have put up those kind of numbers. In the fourth quarter, 13 for 18 from the field, 11 of 15 from the line, most of those being Kaya Upton right as things were coming to a conclusion. Jimmy Garrity is a very good coach. I feel bad for Wofford because they're down to nine healthy bodies, and I think that is part of what played into ETSU putting up 39 points in that fourth quarter and kind of running away from the Terriers. After trailing by three, they end up winning by 13. Wofford just ran out of legs. Uh, Deja Green played 39 minutes. Jamari McDavid, 32. Cairo Booker, 31. Chloe Wanick, 34. The only minute she didn't play, the leading scorer in the league, were at the end of the second quarter when she picked up her second foul in short order against Kaya Upton. That was very important for Upton to be able to go in, and she's not someone that's known to score, though she did have 12 points, mostly from the line, also six assists and four rebounds Saturday night. She attacked Chloe Wanick. She knew the situation. She knew if she could get her in foul trouble, and Wanick did end up with four fouls, a couple of those coming at the end of the game when ETSU was salting it away. But if you can get her on the bench for five or six minutes, really get a foothold back in this game, and ETSU did exactly that. It would have been just a five-point game at the half, but uh, Wofford on their last possession with a little bit of a defensive breakdown by ETSU got an open five-footer off the glass to make it a seven-point game again. But uh, regardless, nine bodies and probably some dead legs out there. No one from ETSU had to play more than 30 minutes. There's depth there. Kaya Upton, 29 minutes. Erica Haynes-Overton, 29 minutes. Uh, Sadasia Tips, 25 minutes. Micah Sheets, 28 minutes. Raven Dean, 22 minutes, and Brittany Snowden, 22 minutes. No one playing over 30, uh, and those six being the only six for ETSU that played over 20. So you got four over the 30-minute mark for Wofford and six over the 20-minute mark for ETSU, but no one reaching 30 minutes. The big loss for Wofford was Thursday. They don't know the extent of the injury to Jackie Carmen yet, but she's the league's leading three-point shooter, almost three of those per game. It's a knee injury. Jimmy Garrity has said that he does not have a good feeling about that injury and that it may keep out. Carmen, who's been fantastic as a freshman for them, uh, keep her out for a significant amount of time, uh, likely the rest of the year and even perhaps some of next year if it is as bad as they think. Uh, so it could be that. We hope it's not that for Wofford because Carmen added a whole other dynamic and Wofford was off to a good start uh, this conference year. But uh, Carmen also four others missing for the Terriers. So they were down to nine healthy bodies. Deja Green. Jamari McDavid, Chloe Wanick scored 62 of the 79 points. They've got some good players through the Terriers, uh, injuries or not, but you feel like it's going to be a rough go of it the rest of the way for the Terriers. Late in that game, Jimmy Garrity, I mentioned, good coach, but he was fouling down by like 13, like 90 seconds left, and there were a few groans and moans around the crowd and even on ETSU's bench when they continued to foul. Uh, with that big of a deficit that late and even with like 10 seconds left and it was a double-digit game. I think Jimmy Garrity was trying to send a message to his team and say, look, we've got some adversity. We've had some here today. We're going to have some the rest of the season because we are shorthanded for the third consecutive year. We've had injuries every year. You can't give up. You can't just not play 40 minutes because you're tired. You have to continue to put forth your best effort because you never know what's going to happen. You have to continue to be ready for the good breaks that come your way, and you're going to have to push through some bad breaks. Well, obviously, uh, there wasn't really much of a chance. You never know, but much of a chance for Wofford to win that game with that big of a deficit late, but Garrity trying to send a message to his team. Uh, that's where a lot of Kaya Upton's free throws came from, 12 points 
four rebounds, six assists, 10 of 14 from the line. ETSU 15 of 19 from the stripe in the second half and 21 of 27 from the stripe on the game. Uh, and ETSU now 2-1 and one in the Southern Conference. Took them 16 games. They went 2-14. and 14. Now in their first three games, ETSU in the Southern Conference is 2-1. and one. Here's Coach Zell postgame. 17 assists on 33 made baskets. To assist on every other made basket is pretty good. Um, 21 for 25, I believe, from the free throw line, or 21 for 27. That's remarkable. And uh, you had a freshman going to the line at the end of the game. And I thought we showed a lot of growth. Now I can talk about all I want. Oh, Wofford ran out of bodies. They were exhausted. They had to play too many minutes. Injuries are ripping them apart. Sure, and that may be true, but regardless of if it is or not, the important message in that soundbite from Coach Zell was free throws. ETSU is now controlling what they can control. They had twice all year shot above 70% from the line entering conference play. They were 60% at the line combined throughout the entire non-conference. The last two games, they've shot above 70%. 71% against Furman on Wednesday in that win, and 78% on Saturday against Wofford. ETSU has put in some extra time in the gym. I've seen it myself before and after shoot-arounds and practices to just go to the free-throw line and shoot and shoot and shoot. Brittany Snowden and Raven Dean had struggled the entire year at the line, combining for 49% at the stripe. They were 4 of 4. On Saturday, they were 8 of 9 combined on Wednesday. Micah Sheets, she's one of the better free throw shooters for ETSU, usually around 70%, 4 of 5 on Saturday. Erica Haynes-Overton made both of hers. Lexis Spears, who shoots 33% from the line, 1 of 2 from the stripe. It's everybody contributing to this, and the Bucks have now beaten teams that came into this week, 10-7 and 7 overall and 2-0 and 0 in the league, both of them. Furman and Wofford were tied for the most overall wins and also tied atop the conference with undefeated records entering this week. Furman, usually your consummate 500 team the last four years have finished exactly at 500 in the SoCon. Wofford, four straight years at 3-11, and but certainly without the injuries of the last couple of years, could have done some very good things, and you feel, unfortunately for them, like the same is going to be said this year about their performance. But these are two good wins, and especially considering all the outside noise, all the possibilities and opportunities for the Bucks to tear themselves apart internally. I mean, when you start like that, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. It's just natural. It's not just this team. I've been on teams in the past where you start out bad and you look around the locker room and you start to look at some people differently because of their performance, because of how you perceive them going out and either helping or hurting the team's performance. It's just human nature. No one would say that's happening in that locker room for ETSU women's basketball. I don't know if it has or not. Regardless, they have found a way to push through it. They found a way to get past the natural thing that humans do when things start to turn bad. Who do I blame? It doesn't seem like there's any of that right now. And Coach Azell certainly thinks that's the case for one woman in particular. I've said it a thousand times. Brittany Snowden is the best leader that I have ever coached, and I'll stand by that and, until she graduates. And here's a couple stories on that. Brittany Snowden, from what I was told from Coach Azell pregame, this was off air, but she said when there was a, um, I suppose, toss-up, coin flip, you'd say, between Lexus Spears and Brittany Snowden a couple of games back, you know, who should I start? And Coach Azell said she didn't know, and Brittany Snowden went to her and said, start Lexus. 
Well, Brittany Snowden is making the most of her opportunities regardless of where they're coming from. And starting Lexus in that game against Furman, you look at obviously the 75-70 victory. Yeah, Spears didn't have a great game, four points, three rebounds. Brittany Snowden, though, off the bench, she didn't mind playing that role. Four of nine and then five of six from the line. So four of nine from the field, five of six from the line, six rebounds, 13 points. And the second part of this kind of diatribe about Brittany Snowden just backing up what Coach Giselle mentioned about her being such a good leader. And I wouldn't have done this as a player myself. I was very easily mentally broken. But 90 seconds into the game, it was 8 to nothing, And Coach Giselle decided to sub out five players, replace them with five others. Carly Litton, Kaya Upson, Eric Haynes, Overton, Sedasia Tips, Lexus Spears started the game. And Giselle came back with Micah Sheets, Raven Dean, Jada Craig, Tasia Murphy, uh, and Anajay Stephanie. And it was five for five. And Brittany Snowden wasn't one of the first ten players to come in the game. And post-game, Coach Giselle just said, uh, that was my fault. I just grabbed the first five people I saw. She was seeing red at that point, didn't like the start. Wofford would eventually score the first 12 before the Bucks uh, showed a steady hand at the wheel, started to flip things in their favor. And over 30 minutes and 24 seconds of trailing, first got the lead early in the fourth quarter and never looked back. But... Brittany Snowden, unfazed. Not one of the first 10 in the game. Anaje Stephanie, who had missed the previous 12 games. First it was a concussion, then it was a pulled hamstring. Just her luck, right? You're just back from a concussion, something that you have to sit for for six weeks. You never know with those. And they were making sure to use kid gloves with head injuries, as is a smart thing to do. But she's just getting better from her concussion, pulls a hamstring. And hamstring's another thing where you just have to sit. There's nothing you can really do. You just have to let it heal. So Brittany Snowden, not one of the first 10 of the game. She's someone that missed the previous 12 games going ahead of her. She waits for her time, comes in 16 points on eight shots, seven of eight from the field, two of two from the line, five rebounds, and those 16 in the scoring column. I mean, that's just incredibly impressive. Brittany Snowden not getting down, staying up during a time where her team needed her. And she clearly is showing those leadership qualities, not being selfish, cheering her teammates on, being passionate for their success and having success of your own, and that's something you love to see. Final one from Coach Zell. She and Micah in that fourth quarter, starting it out down by three. We drew up a play. We executed it perfectly. We hit the three, got the foul, and then we were off and running from and that. And that she that Coach Zell was talking about is Erica Haynes-Overton. Micah Sheets and Erica Haynes-Overton both big in the fourth quarter, so it was 56-53 to 53 going to the final ten minutes, and it was a beautiful design from ETSU. Uh, when they came out of Wofford missing the first jump shot of that fourth quarter, Chloe Wanick missed it. The rebound by Kaya Upton. They come back down the other way, 12 seconds into the shot clock. They run a play for Micah Sheets, who drains like a 27-foot three from straight on. The screener that was getting her free gets run over. So there's a foul on Deja Green. I believe it was Snowden that was the one that took that charge, quote-unquote, just got bowled over, put her body on the line. And ETSU as it was ruled a loose ball foul, got possession again. Now, they did not score. Chloe Wanick came down the other way. The league's leading score, 19 per game, 22 per game last year. She gave Wofford the lead back, but then it was Snowden on a layup. Then Raven Dean on a fast break gave ETSU their uh, first lead. And then from there, it was Snowden again, a timeout by Wofford, and the Bucks just poured it on. It was a six-point lead, eight-point lead, stretched it to double figures uh, with the Brittany Snowden layup again down in the paint with 3.38 to go. And eventually, as we mentioned, those free throws uh, came fast and furious in that 
final 90 or so seconds, and the Bucks ended up with that 13-point victory. So Erica Haynes-Overton, 16-10-6, and six, and I said it on the broadcast, I'll say it again here, her vision was otherworldly on Saturday. Uh, those six assists, three or four of them, I don't know how she saw the player with her. Sadasia Tips uh, was that player a couple of times. She finishes with 10 points and eight rebounds, nearly a double-double. Haynes Overton, as we mentioned, with a double-double. Kai Upton with 12. Micah Sheets, another career high. She tied her career high three games ago by scoring 19, then scored 18 against Furman, now 21 against Wofford on 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 4 from outside, 4 of 5 from the line, also 4 rebounds and 3 assists, and Snowden off the bench with 16. Also, Raven Dean didn't have a bad day either, 9 points, 4 rebounds. Uh, the Bucks really a total team effort, putting up 92, their second most points this year, the only time they scored more, Appalachian State, that 95-64 to 64 victory. I certainly thought going into this game against Wofford, it was vitally important, without a doubt. Um, not only in the standings, but for the confidence of this squad. You look at the results from the Terriers and the Bucks this year, there are a few that would throw you off. Wofford lost to Appalachian State by 24, but then Wofford also uh, lost to Chattanooga by 7. ETSU lost by 9. So you're saying, well, there's a 55-point variance in ETSU beating Appalachian State by 31 and then Wofford losing by 24. But then they both played Chattanooga really similar, almost the same. So which team is it going to be? Well, as we saw with no Jackie Carmen, it was a different Wofford team, perhaps the same that we've seen for the first three quarters, but when the chips were down, ETSU had the killer instinct. They put the foot on the throat of the Terriers, and I think they sent some blood in the water in the fact that those nine healthy bodies for Wofford were starting to wear down. And another important point and worth mentioning, and I don't think it had as big of an effect on the game as some of the things we've talked about, but there was some foul trouble for the post players of Wofford, Marissa Bear, Jamie Grobe, they each got a couple of early fouls and had to sit, so Wofford had to go small. Again, it didn't play as big of a factor in the game, I think, as the fatigue of Wofford and the fact that Erica Haynes-Overton was picking dimes out of the stands pretty much. Like, it was incredible. She could spot him a mile away. If there was an open body, she was going to find that player that was with her. Uh, the fact that Micah Sheets was hot once again, the fact that Brittany Snowden made the most of her shots and showed some dominance at times, um, she really went to work down low. It wasn't just open shots. She earned a lot of those points. Kaya Upton uh, making sure that the Bucks would not um, give way to any type of comeback late by making a lot of those free throws down the stretch. And Sadasia Tips pulling down the boards that she did and getting in double figures as well. Uh, once again, ETSU, a fantastic performance. Okay, ETSU women's basketball. Sanford and Mercer this week. Have heard some things about Sanford being pretty good this year. That'll be interesting. And then, of course, Mercer, that's going to be a showdown. No Kalia Lawrence this year, second-round pick in the WNBA draft. Uh, Kiki Calloway is still there. She was projected the preseason Southern Conference player of the year, and Mercer is still undefeated in the SOCON. They are 3-0, and uh, 11-7. Overall, I think that people peg them as the favorite in this conference pretty much every year. ETSU was right there with them this season. Obviously, the non-conference did not go the Bucks' way, but it's going to be billed and should be billed as the top two teams coming into this season in the Southern Conference. ETSU, of course, didn't get the results in the non-conference. 2-1 and one in the league, currently sitting third all by themselves. And Mercer, led by Callaway, they haven't had the type of year that 
teams are accustomed to seeing from them. But remember, they won like 25 games in a row last year. So anything is going to be a disappointment this year in terms of the overall record. But Mercer undefeated at the top of Chattanooga. And then Sanford, who the Bucks will see Thursday, two days before they go to Macon in Birmingham. Sanford, they're 6-12, and 1-2 and two in the league. So they haven't gotten the non-conference results either. But they've also played 14 away games, just four home games. They're 3-1 and one at home, 3-11 and 11 on the road. So I think that they're looking forward to getting more accustomed to their home setting, continuing to get just more of the same results that they've gotten in Birmingham. Every other team, eight home games for Mercer, 10 for Chattanooga, nine for the Bucks, 11 for Furman, eight for an undefeated Wofford team at home. UNCG has eight and Western Carolina has eight. So Sanford at most have had half the home games as the rest of the league. So they like the home confines. People have liked what they've seen from them. And the Bucks have a Wednesday departure time of noon. They'll get to Birmingham, shoot around that night, shoot around the next day. And after their game on Thursday night, we'll go to Macon and be sure to be ready for Mercer because that's a massive contest. If you can beat Sanford that night, go to 3-1. and one. I think there's going to be some real belief from this team, especially with Mercer not being as intimidating, as imposing of a force as you, as you have seen this season. I think there might be some real belief in that locker room for ETSU and around the ETSU community that the Bucks could pull that upset on the road and all of a sudden be in control of their own destiny in the SOCON. And you look at Mercer, it's not just conjecture that we're saying they might, might not be the same as these past few years. They took overtime to beat Sanford. They beat Western Carolina by two. And then UNCG, their last game, these are the last three in order, Stanford Western, then UNCG a 71-58 win, but close losses to Columbia and Jacksonville, and some of these losses are just teams they would not have lost to in the past. Now, excusable losses to Florida State and Georgia, a couple of Power 5 teams in very close games as well, Memphis a six-point loss. So some quality losses on the schedule, no doubt, but lately just not convincing in the Southern Conference. Perhaps they're sleepwalking just a bit their way through this early portion of the conference here because they think that this conference is theirs. Well, from what I've seen and what many around the conference have put out there in the open as well, it doesn't look like there's a team that's going to run away with it. It doesn't look like there's going to be a team that at any point snatches control and you're going to have to be chasing them. You're going to have to put forth a top effort every night. And ETSU would love to see Mercer napping on Saturday night uh, five days from today. They can go in, pull that upset, and move to 4-1 and one if they beat Sanford on Thursday. But that's not going to be easy either. No wins are taken for granted this year in the SoCon. There's also no losses going into an arena either. Excited for this road trip. I'll be with them from Wednesday to Saturday, keeping up with you on the road on Sandos and the Sidekicks. Jay Sandos will be in studio with the men's basketball team not having any games until next Saturday. Okay, uh, I've gone overtime on the ETSU women's basketball team. Talked about them for about 25 minutes. Well-deserved with the effort that they had on Saturday. Next, Jay Sandos rejoins me for the recap of bold predictions and oh, happy day for me. Jay may feel the other way when we're back on Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. 
Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Jackson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's Big Baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Well, clearly how things have gone, the last two sound bites there reference Jay Sandoz in bold predictions. A simple wrong would have been just fine. Well, there have been plenty of wrongs this year for uh, Mr. Sandoz himself, who rejoins me now on the phone uh, out of the office today, but I am in studio. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, Sandoz, and the sidekick. Bold predictions recap, which finds Jay going. I don't want to spoil it, Mr. Sandoz, but uh, 0 for 3 yet again this week. Your preliminary thoughts before we get into specifics. Uh, I thought, again, yours should go up in front of a committee. I'm not real sure yours is an upset uh, at all, uh, so I'm just going to have to uh, 
file the complaints with the powers to be and see what happens there on mine. Uh, well, uh, you know, the uh, I think I was close on one, and the other two I couldn't have been uh, more wrong. Is that fair? Uh, well, I, I don't know about more wrong. I, I mean, I think they were a nice thought. Now, I don't know why I'm giving you sympathy here when you're shredding my predictions. I, I think that it is a bit over the top to say that a team that was undefeated going into Saturday faces a team that has five losses, granted on the road in a tough place to win, but certainly Michigan was favored entering that matchup with Wisconsin, yes? Oh, I, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that uh... – I'm guessing that they might have been. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just going, you know, with uh, Wisconsin, a uh, pretty tough place to play. And I watched, I watched two of their losses at home. And, you know, they're, they're close for no cigars right at home. So you have to figure out – have to think they figure out. Plus the other thing is, right, when you're playing as an undefeated team and, and you go into a place, people are just chomping at the bits to give you your best shot. And uh, that will give Wisconsin credit. They did from the, the jump of the game. And, uh, I thought they did a nice job of executing what they wanted to do and, you know, really kind of ran away with it. Let's uh, save that one. Let's get the bat out of the way first for each of us. Both revolved around three-point shooting for the ETSU women's basketball team, and we weren't atrocious in these picks. Now, you ended up pretty far away from Carly Litton's final line. You said she would hit six threes, the sharpshooter that she is. She went one of five from the field, one of three from outside. Didn't have her best game, three points and three rebounds. I said that she would factor big into ETSU shooting above 50% from outside. As it turned out, they came on in the second half, four of nine from deep, but ended up just five of 14 from the arc and that's not a bad percentage 36 percent if you do that every game you're going to lead the southern conference in three-point shooting but you and me both fall short in that three-point shooting category you with an individual me with the team but really i think we'll both take the l there along as long as etsu gets the w as they did <laughs> clearly clearly more important that the uh any ETSU team gets a win over our crazy bold prediction. i'm going to be pretty proud of myself on the second one and give myself many uh, genius drop-ins here because Jerome Rodriguez it was a two-part prediction and I am very tempted as the holder of the book now to give myself two points for these predictions on Jerome Rodriguez I have a feeling you would give me some pushback on that so I'll gladly just take the one but I said Jerome Rodriguez will play and he will also have yet another double double he was a beast again 16 points 14 rebounds looked 100 percent and for that I am the smartest man alive Yes, I am, Jay Sandos. Yes, I am. I mean, he's only got 12 double-doubles, and he's top 10 in the nation double-doubles. So that's a big no, we didn't big even one. know that he was going to play. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that to this brilliant prediction. <laughs> no, and he, he was phenomenal, and you can barely even tell that, that uh, the knee uh, the, the cool. I, I combined two things the here, the knee and the ankle. Nice. How about that? Let's try that again. The knee and the ankle. Uh, neither one of them were, were given him much of an issue, and if they were, you certainly couldn't tell. He, he – he played through it like a champ, and I thought, uh, other than he had a very rough, uh, uncharacteristic start to the game, other than that, uh, probably the first three minutes where he'd like to forget, but after that, I thought he was brilliant again. You, to be fair, said after we got off the air, and I'll give people a little peek behind the curtain here, that you didn't feel tremendously confident in your prediction, so even walking out of the studio on Friday, I think you were already kind of in the hole. Uh, and the ETSU men's basketball team did not help you out in your prediction of them. Doubling up UNCG, a very stout team in the paint, in points in the paint, and it ended up being 
38 to 34. The Bucks did outscore UNCG, but they would have had to score 68 rather than 38 to double up the Spartans. And I have a feeling that would have helped them get a W. I, well, and I'll say this: I think Kyron Galloway has probably had one dunk in his entire career, <laughs> and just because late in the game situation stuff, and the Bucks just having to to try to force turnovers. He had three dunks late. Miller. Isaiah Miller uh, had a couple of layups with like 30 seconds ago where most teams up like eight would tell you to pull the ball out. And so he catches. There's probably 10 or 12 kind of cheap points there. The other thing that hurt me was the amount of fouls early in the game with ETSU, you know, having some free looks and, and really UNCG just not allowing those to go down from the jump and just eating fouls as opposed to allowing a layup. So there were, there were a couple things that, that, that went against uh, my prediction, you know, because if you get the – what was that eight free throws early from Gusson? You know, that could be eight points in the middle of the paint. There was a couple other guys that got fouled, had to go to the line, and Milad Narmas and Jeremy Rodriguez, too, that, that could have been some extra digits. And then Coach brought it up, you know. There were guys, if they had just came to a jump stop and pump fake and let the guys fly by, they could have hit lamps. So I felt, you know, it, that one actually wasn't, as I was watching it unfold, I don't know that I was that far off. There were just a few things that if a bold, and that wasn't bold, prediction was going to play out in your favor, you couldn't have a lot of ETSU post players getting fouled at the rim, and you certainly couldn't, uh, you know, late in the game, allow 10, 12 extra points uh, from guys who traditionally just, just don't just don't score right at the rim like that. Yeah, you're right. You're only 30 points off, not that far at all. Stubborn, stupid, silly man. I mean, that is just hilarious. Come on now, Jay Sandos, you're better than that. ETSU men's basketball falls by seven. Am, I, am I really better than that? <laughs> And speaking of you being a stubborn, silly, stupid man, uh, Wofford and Furman. Now, this is the one where you nearly had it. From what I understand, it was 54-54 late. Fletcher McGee drops 22. No one else more than seven points for Wofford. This game did not go the way I would have envisioned for Furman. Matt Rafferty has 23, 10 apiece for Jordan Lyons and Andrew Brown, scoring the last five of the game, at least from my understanding. I didn't see the box score myself, but 59-54. Wofford gets the victory. I thought that was a very bold prediction. I'm not sure what the odds makers said the line was. Certainly Furman, I think, covered uh, going into uh, Wofford, but 59-54, a very low-scoring game. Wofford stays undefeated in the Southern Conference. You do not hit on your bold prediction, but you were very close in doing so. Well, and, and watching a little bit of the game is exactly what I thought Furman would do, which was to swap it up a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a huge, huge rivalry game. Um, and, and you could tell the intensity was there. You know, it had a different, just watching it, it was a little bit of a different feel uh, to that game and some of the other Wofford games I've watched so far on tape. And, you know, it actually felt like ETSU was in the building. I mean, certainly their their fans are, are wanting to beat Furman even more so than, than ETSU. Uh, but, but I think Furman did a good job of, of knowing exactly – you know, how to play Wofford and, and what to do with them and how to handle it. Rafferty was, again, continues to be brilliant, as he has been all season. And they missed some shots mid-second half, I think, that, that where they had a chance to, to, to make a run and do do some other things with it and maybe change the outcome of the game. I think the middle of that second half is what did Furman in. Matter of fact, going into the last minute, it was 54-52. Uh, Furman was on top at the last seven. couple layups from Cam Jackson. One his time expired. And then in between, the big three from Storm Murphy made it 57-54. 
through 54. And, yeah, to your credit, you did say they need to slop it up. This is how you beat a team like Wofford. You're probably not going to win a shootout because, obviously, they have McGee. And then, of course, Cam Jackson and Murphy showed that he can hit some big shots. Nathan Hoover's been good. So uh, they go relatively deep, as does Furman, obviously. But a five-point victory for Wofford, and they certainly take control um, of the Southern Conference with that win. Still, UNCG is just a game back, but uh, 0 for 3 for you, where I made it 2 for 3 with the Wisconsin Badgers over the Michigan Wolverines. He is the smartest man in the universe. I am the smartest man alive! They're a genius. They're a genius. They're a genius. Ah, it feels good to be a genius, Jay Sandoz. The show over yet? <laughs> it can be. There we go. I'll go ahead and hit the close for you to get you out of here on a 9 for 47 note. Now, 38 wrong. You have dropped to 191. You're right in the area of the Mendoza line, nine points below it. We'll see if you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And if you go one for three next week, you would be exactly 10 for 50, which would be 200. I am 14 for 45. 311, I am in the great Joe Maurer territory for career average. He just retired. Maybe I should retire from bold predictions. you probably like that, wouldn't you? Nah, I need to retire. I don't know about you. You keep going in the prime of your career. I think I'll retire on tap. That may be how it goes. Jay Sandos, thank you very much. Everybody. We've had Jay Sandoz, Kevin Brown, ETSU Women's Basketball, ETSU Men's Basketball, and bold predictions tomorrow. Much more of the fun, the excitement, and the breakdowns of ETSU Athletics right here on the Buccaneers Sports Network.